Father Christopher Meyer. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Are you still getting used to being called father? I am. I am. I still have had situations where people call me father and I, I don't respond. I don't turn. <laughs> you still waiting for deacon? Yeah. You got I used to that so. for a year? Even yeah. if it was only a year? Yeah. No, I got I got really good at it for that year. And now I'm really bad at being called father, but I'll get there. Your first assignment, St. Faustina, is this where you thought you'd end up? Uh, I did. There were some weird things that happened, some false information, rumors going around uh-huh. that made me think maybe not. But before the assignment, when I sat down with the cardinal and he, he ha- I walked in, he hands me the envelope and I open it and it said St. Faustina. I said, this is where I thought I was going. <laughs> See, that's, I, I, was, I was betting on you being here as well. I, and I was really hoping it would be you. I mean, the other guys are great. I love the other guys, but I kind of felt like you were a better fit for St. Faustina, especially after Father David Michael. It is. It's been awesome to follow him. I mean, what, what, a, what a great opportunity. I feel like him and I are 50% very similar and then 50% different. Uh-huh. And because we, we really respect each other, he has set me up so well here. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. In our previous interview with you, you talked about how you were intimidated the first time you met Father David Michael. Was it intimidating following him here at St. Faustina? Um, I think it would have been if I didn't know him so well. Um, Because, I mean, we've talked about this place. Um, I've already given him a lot of calls, kind of, hey, what is this? What's going on here? How do you do this? Uh Uh-huh. He did a really good job preparing me for things. I mean, even situations like at the parish, like, hey, there's this pastoral situation I want you to know about, or this person will will come into the office and request this of you. And like, I've told him that you're coming, that you can do that. So it's been really, uh, probably a better transition than almost anybody gets. Because really? a lot of times you get there and you're blind. Oh, yeah. You don't know anything no. and you're you're walking into at a, at a disadvantage. So yes. you're, it's actually more of an advantage mm-hmm. for you then, huh? The last time we were here, we had you, um, we were sitting a little closer and we had a side view shot. Both of us were a little bigger than, huh? A little bigger. (laughs) You'd lost how how much weight? Uh, I haven't weighed myself this week, but I did lose at one point about 15 pounds. 15 pounds. Okay. I'm a little ahead of you. I lost a little more than 20 pounds. So I'm glad that we're doing a follow-up with us looking a little healthier. That's good. That's good. Do people tell you, hey, this first year must be tough on you. You're losing so much weight. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I said the the worst thing I've had, so I did my pastor year at St. Bartholomew, and mm-hmm. I've run into some parishioners there because there's some cross-pollination between St. Faustina and St. Bartholomew, and they keep saying, wow, you look a lot thinner. You look a lot healthier. And it's just... It's really funny because all I hear is, man, you were so fat on pastoral year. I just keep... <laughs> so it's not like you look emaciated now. It's, it's more like you, 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 you were just bigger it's, then. It's funny, which I do think I didn't get to wear black every day on, oh, that's another on thing. pastoral year. So I think that helps a little bit too. But I remember I was, I was, uh, I had some, I see some pictures, even the black shirts are bulging on pastoral year. Like we have an archdiocesan polo and I'm just like, Wow. Probably should have been wearing an extra large for a few months there. <laughs> during our during our last interview, I was wearing black and it didn't hide much. It was yeah. It's just, so it's it's good to have you here at Saint Faustina. Now, when we interviewed you the last time, it was right a little bit before the priest versus seminary and basketball game. We we had you, we interviewed you, and then you were in our like our live stream that press conference type thing that we had. 
What what was going on behind the scenes during that press conference? Well, oh, it's so funny. It was weird because we were getting to talk to players and get them kind of riled up. We got Raymond pretty riled up, I think, before he went in there. Maybe a little bit too riled up. And uh, I think he would say that too. And it was fun. It was just fun uh, being at practice. But I will say this. Um, we know the result of the game, yes. obviously, and it didn't go too great for the Priest. And what was I, the lead? It was, uh, what was the final? Was about 20 points, was yeah, it? 15, I mean, 20? And frankly, it could have been more. That's I've had we've had priests who have said like, "Oh, we could have kept it close if such and such." You guys had a couple lucky threes. All I'll say is the night that y'all were doing the interview, we were doing some lineup testing, uh-huh. and we found a lineup that was just like our, we were calling it our death lineup, like the Golden State Warriors. Like we were putting, yes. I mean, so it was those five players against our next five. And in a 10-minute span, we had we running clock, we went up 27 to 3. And it was just like a big, oh. quick lineup. And we were all super excited to use it. And we never got to use it against the Priest because Coach didn't want to run up the score. Oh, wow. And let me guess who was on that lineup. Um, Arturo? No. No, he wasn't. So obviously he was, he's a he great player. He was tearing player. it up on he, the floor. He is. So <laughs> the trick to the lineup was size. Um, oh, so yeah, that's right. So the death lineup was Luke Prohoda, uh, he Ray- was on my list. Raymond Snodgrass. He was on my list as well. And then so I slid down to the three, and then Anvo was at the two, and okay. Keenan Keenan was, was my other at the one. So it was a very long uh, lineup that was causing a ton of turnovers, and that's a really good passing lineup. Um, and then it when you can run kind of high post from really anywhere. We were uh-huh. running it from like the wings with that lineup. It was really, really we're talking, nice. That's that's a lot of height mm-hmm. on the seminarian team. Yes. How, how tall is Luke? Luke's in the 6'5 range. Right, and, and then... Raymond's in that range too, maybe 6'4". See, and then you are... And I'm, I'm a little shorter. I've got longer arms though. I'm 6'2 probably, but probably 6'3", 6'4", wingspan. And then the priest team... Their tallest is who? Father TJ? Yeah. And, and he's 6'2", right? Yeah. I, so that's a lot of size for the priest team. And I was thinking, the reason why I mentioned Arturo was I was thinking there's a lot of, you could, you know, run them all down with the younger guys like Arturo and, and Keenan. So I was thinking, I was, my, my idea was you got two big guys up front and then the two, you know, two quick guys. Which, are, which he's a great player, right? And he's really good at getting in guys' grills. But you know what's funny about the Priest? And it's going to change this year. But they don't have a really good point guard that's well integrated into the system. Like, Father Chad didn't play as much, um, but he also didn't practice as much because of ministry, which we've we've come up with a solution for the record. Oh, I'm, oh. I'm very much... Uh, so solving things right there's now. There's a plan the for next yeah. year already. Yeah, it's very, very early Saturday morning practices, but everybody's on board. Everybody can come. So the priests are going to practice a lot more. Because the priests have what? Lost how many in a row now? Three. Three in a row. After winning the first two. Oh, boy. So, so you got to even that one up. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so basically Arturo is really good. I mean, when we went up to the uh, – tournament at uh, Columbus, Ohio at the Josephinum, uh-huh. I mean, you could put him on a guard and he would just really rattle him. 
But the funny thing about playing the priest is we didn't really need to rattle a point guard. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, we were kind of like, you guys do what you want, and we'll get a turnover when you're trying to throw it in the passing lane. Mm-hmm. Where next year, Father Joseph White is back, and he's a very good basketball oh, player. Oh, is he? Yeah, he'll start at point guard for sure. Oh, nice. And so, and yeah, he's, then, a, he's yeah. a John Vianney now, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he just started at St. John Vianney which is good. I've already been able to hang out with him a lot more than I have the last few years when he's been in Rome. So that's been really good. But that's going to change the dynamic a lot. So I could definitely see them needing to play Arturo. Now, unfortunately, and fortunately for the Archdiocese, praise God, Father Chad Henry's younger brother just entered seminary. Oh. And he's a point guard. Wow. So Keenan probably won't play point guard next year. He'll play shooting guard, which... He really is a more of a natural shooting guard. So that's going to be some trouble for us, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> At least the priest team has two more players. Yes, yeah. Have you ever thought of um, trying to train um, uh, Luis? Deacon yeah, Luis? So uh, Father, Father Luis, Luis no. excuse me. So Father Luis, yeah. I mean, he's got height, right? But yeah, he's just, I think it's too far now. Because you can get a lot better if you just come to practice. I mean, I was a really bad basketball player my uh-huh. first year at St. Mary's Seminary. I mean, horrible. I, I remember I, because I'm such a sports fan, I have a pretty good understanding of who's mm. contributing and who's not. Yes. Um, and I remember at one point being like, I'm not going to play this game. Like we had soccer the next day, which I'm much better at. And I said, I'm going to rest. The team's going to play better. Uh-huh. I don't need to play just to play. Let's get this win at one of our tournaments against Holy Trinity Seminary. And I mean, at the end of the time, I never would have said that. I was like, I'm playing. I'm, I want to play as many <laughs> minutes as coach will let me. So it's amazing what consistent practice and really good coaching will do for basketball. Because I think we could at least have him play some defense. Right. Teach him a little defense and some rebounding, not having to score, you know, not having to handle the ball. Maybe, you know, that his he's got some size. How tall is he? He's about, he's almost exactly my height. I okay. think he's out of the same height, about 6'2". So yeah, there you go. He's going to laugh if he sees this. He's going to, no way. Because <laughs> that's what we laugh, too. He's originally from Mexico and he doesn't play any soccer. I say that. I don't know what it is about No baseball seminary. either? No baseball. We have, we have so many seminarians who are originally from Mexico and mm-hmm. none of them play soccer. I'm like, I thought people played soccer in Mexico. What's <laughs> going on? One of them does. Jay Serrato plays. During the game itself, it was really intense. I, I was sitting up front with the, the people from Guadalupe Radio and you could really see how intense it was. You know, there was a lot of bumping and you could see on the, the people's faces, you know, the, the players' faces, how... Okay, I got to contain myself, <laughs> have patience. <laughs> well, I've had multiple people, they want to be nice about it, but they've come come up to me and they said, wow, I had no idea you were so intense. And I know exactly what they're talking about because, I mean, a minute into the game, I got mugged by two players and the ref just had a bad view. I, our coaches said they were looking at him and he just didn't see it. He was looking for something else because I grabbed a rebound and got undercut on the left side and hit on the top on the right side and just completely fell down. And I was kind of upset. It was a hard foul. Uh-huh. Yeah, and there were some I, hard fouls, yeah. And I got up, and the ref was calling a travel on me. Oh. And I was mad. The ball <laughs> got back into my hands, and I just slammed it on the ground. It was just, I was so mad. Did you get called for a technical? The, Thank God, no. He should have <laughs> called me for a technical. I think he was like, oh, this is dicey, priest versus seminary in game, you know. And I think he probably also knew, wow, I must have really missed that because this guy oh. who was smiling and talking to us before the game is very, very upset. So, yeah, I I, uh, I felt a little bit bad. But at the same time, it was nice to go back and watch and 
listen to the radio guys say, oh, and Deacon Christopher Meyer is really upset and rightly so or something <laughs> like that. And I said, good. They saw it too. So, What was the atmosphere like in the locker room before the game? Were you all in one big locker room together or were you separated? So they're separated locker rooms. And it was funny. One of the priests who who was injured this year, I think he had an ACL tear, Father Chun-San at St. Lawrence, came into our locker room. And we were all kind of like so hyped for the game. I don't think we received him very well. Like he was kind of like, (laughs) hey, what's up, guys? And everybody was really so locked in. It was like, what are you, a spy? You know, and it's like, I love Father Chun-San, so... That was pretty funny. I think he was like, okay, I'm going to get out. But we prayed evening prayer together, which was nice. And um, it's there's a lot of emotions going through. And then you're also thinking a lot about logistics as a player because, you know, you want to make sure your family's there. I think for a typical athlete, they play so many games that that stuff becomes routine. You're not worried about the event. You're worried about the game. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of distractions for the players about the event. I mean, I was making sure there was food in the locker room. I was checking to make sure we were going to have water, you Uh know, because we change venues and a lot of things get dropped. And yeah, that day I had multiple calls with Father Preston, with Father Richard McNeely. So it's probably about 30 minutes before the game where you really start to get dialed in and you're like, okay. Whose idea was it to come out to the Gregorian music? Um, So originally the first time we ever came out in in our cassocks was all coach Dunbar which is so funny because he's so serious I remember it was our last practice before the game when we had never won so we had lost the first two years we brought on coach Dunbar and it's our last practice and everybody's like really intense like what are we going to do for this practice Uh and he we go over like plays for like 10 minutes and he's like okay we need to work on our entrance like this is this is entertainment Uh Let's, let's work on our entrance and so we come in, and uh, he goes, so what are those black things you guys wear? And we're like, cassocks. And he's like, what? Well, you guys need to wear those. Can you wear those? Can you guys bring those to the game? And so the crowd really loved it because the year before, the priests had done warm-ups in their clerics and their collars and stuff. Uh-huh. So the crowd loved it. And then um, I think we had, I think on Vaux sang something this oh, time. Really? I think he sang like the psalm. Salvador Regina, so he just has a great voice. So we just kind of wanted to flex a little bit and be like, <laughs> not not only are we going to win the basketball game, but we have the best voice of the priests and the seminarians on our team. So You're going to do it in style. Yeah, so it, it was fun. And I do wish it's tough because people don't get there really early for the game. You know, it's not like going to like a Texas A&M football game where the stadium is like basically completely packed 30, uh-huh. 30 minutes before kickoff. You know, the best, like, oh, starts at 7? Let's show up to the parking lot at 6.58 <laughs> or whatever. So I do wish there were more people. We need to somehow, I don't know what we can do to get people out there earlier because I feel bad too because with traffic, people miss the first quarter almost. And then a lot of them, they, they're bust in now. Yes. So they have to wait for the bus to fill up yeah. for anybody who's, you know, you know, any stragglers to yeah. come in. So the bus usually comes in right on time. Mm-hmm. There, that was a lot of people. It was, it was. I, I had to be honest, I wish we could have given them a little bit of a better game. I think <laughs> even we were, our execution was sloppy. We didn't shoot well. I mean, I was so, fr- I went 0 for 2 from the free throw line. I made thousands of free throws this year and i'm like are you kidding me just sloppy i missed layups a lot of us father preston in your ear again no i think he didn't (laughs) want to talk because he went 0 for 5 from the field this year with five turnovers i have his stats memorized so because now that i'm on the now that i'm on the priest i have to give him a hard time i had to hold that over him so listen and he does he's like he's like tell me where to be tell me what to do i'm i'm in he wants to win 
I did some pregame yeah. interviews. I was going around, you know, with a mic interviewing people, and he was one of those that said no. Not right now. I think he was he was just thinking about the game, wanting to win the game. I got him afterwards, but before the game, I think he was just you know he was in the zone. We got to get him loose because I think one of the things about Father Preston it it reminds you of those athletes who are kind of in slumps and Uh you know they start to get so stressed and they want like that hitting slump or something. They want that hit so bad that you're watching them. You're like, this isn't how you play baseball, and it kind of is starting to feel like that with Father Preston. Like, gotta have more fun. So tense and so worried <laughs> that and he hypes it up so much to himself that he doesn't play as well as he could now defensively he plays very well i mean keenan had kind of kind of a rough game now he was still in my opinion absolutely critical he wouldn't have won that game without him but the stats weren't great because father preston was just all over him we weren't helping him enough i i just saw <laughs> deacon luke now deacon luke Prohoda the other day and he was even saying like man i you know, I could have been getting the ball higher up and whatnot with Keenan. That'll help, but because he takes so much pressure. Father Preston, he is really fit. I yes. I'd not seen him, mm-hmm. you know, in sports attire. I'm like, he's built. He's like really fit. And how old is he? Yeah, he's, he's so. This is I'm throwing another priest under the bus. So Father TJ and Father Preston are the same age. Okay, which is always kind of a wild. People are like, whoa, because like, Father Preston. He he almost seems like he's like mid thirties. Uh-huh. He's he seems just because he's in such good shape, but he is slowing down a little bit. I and he knows that he knows which your elite athletes slow down at that age. Yes. you know I mean LeBron James isn't running around like he used to, and he's younger <laughs> than Father Preston. So. After the game, what I really liked was how you all came together as brothers, prayed, took pictures, and all of that. It, it was it was very different than what you usually see after a sporting event. What was said in the in the huddle or after the prayer? Oh, you know, I mean, the priests are already scheming. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're already. I mean, they're talking about what are we going to do? Like, good to have you on. Like, we got to figure something out. We got to. And uh, they knew that I care. I mean, I've won three in a row. I don't want to lose again. You know, I'm like, I wouldn't have chosen to join the priest team. Why would I leave the seminary? I, I just got ordained. So now I'm on the priest team. So they know that we're pretty serious about it. Um and then it's just so good to be with those guys. I mean, we're all on the same team ultimately. Mm-hmm. And it's been awesome, you know, being a brand new priest, just how great those guys have been. I mean, uh, on July 4th, just recently, I went out to eat dinner with Father Joseph White. We were both available. I had the mass here. And then him and I went to a Mexican restaurant and they were kind of kicking us out. There was no one there. It was really funny. And they're kicking us out at 9 p.m. And I get a text from... Father Victor, and he goes, hey, are are you and Katie? What are you up to? I'm watching fireworks with my family. And, oh, nice. And so we were like, man, this is perfect. I put it in my phone. It was eight minutes away. And so we met them and watched fireworks. And his family are parishioners here. And it was like, man, I just love being a part of this presbyter. You know, and we didn't talk basketball at all. We were uh-huh. talking about, you know, the church and saving souls. And he's asking me how my first week has been, as a pr- or first month, I guess, had been as a priest and my first week in the parish. And it was awesome. Now let's fast forward to your ordination. You found out the night before mm-hmm. that you were going to be assigned to St. Faustina. What was going through your head the minute you found out? So I was, it got to the point where I was so confident that I was going to St. Faustina. Um, 
Father David Michael didn't have anything direct, but he just really felt like it. He felt like he could read it, which Father Dad will deny this, I'm sure. But he just <laughs> felt like he could tell it was going to be me, and he was kind of making jokes about it, and he was— and I think was, the Vegas odds were on you. Yeah, and so to me, it kind of made it stressful because mm. I, you were hearing— so we had priest convocation at the end of May, and a lot of priests were told, you're moving. They weren't told where they were going. Oh, So even though I felt good about St. Faustina, I started to get all this information like, oh, wow, so-and-so's going back to India, so that's going to be open, and so-and-so's being moved, and so-and-so's being moved. So what felt really clear was kind of becoming a little hazier. Okay. And I was like, man, maybe I'm not going there. And you kind of have doubts, but I definitely still had my money on St. Faustina. But I guess the feeling was, man, I'm going to be like disappointed if I don't go to St. <laughs> Faustina at this point. You know, I, I really kind of have like my heart set on it at this point, you know. Um, every parish has positives. Every parish has cons, right? You know, some people give me yes. a hard time. It's like, you you went to a place that hasn't built their church yet, you know. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. But I was just so excited to be following Father David Michael. We'd we'd already, um, we did that promo for the basketball game. We were already planning to do, we did another YouTube video of him kind of like showing me the ropes. That was hilarious. We had already talked about all that stuff. And so we were like, yeah, I'm going there for sure, right? I mean, we had set in our calendar. So I don't, that video we filmed the Monday after my ordination. Wow. I heard on Friday I was going to St. Faustina, and mm-hmm. we had already blocked off in the calendar on Monday Shooting. we're going to shoot that. So that's how confident we were. Was he your first text or your first message? Um, I think so. I think he was on a group. I think I was on a group text with Father Joseph, Father Chad, um, Father Rick, uh-huh. and Father David Michael. I think so, just to make sure that it got out to all of them. And then I texted a couple other Groups of priests, but and then I had texted you at one point, and I wouldn't, I wasn't sure if it was public, so I didn't say anything to anyone yet until the actual ordination. Yeah, it was so surreal because I was, I didn't really know because they told us like you can announce it if you want, but mm-hmm. you're so busy on Friday. So we had the rehearsals actually in the morning. Okay, but there's just so many little things you're trying to get in order because you know the weekend is going to be a whirlwind. Yes, and. It's getting to the point where ordinations are like getting married. Yeah, you, it is a marriage. But you don't have a spouse to help you. And you <laughs> and, and people would judge you if you hired an ordination planner. So uh-huh. you don't really have that. And so, and thank God, I mean, I really did have a lot of help. But there's just little things that you, I'm trying to set, you know, I want to make sure that the manaturgium is there at my ordination. I want to have a plan for getting it to my first mass to get to my mom. That's the cloth where the oil yes. comes. Uh, the stole that I'm going to hear my first confession so my dad can have it because you want to make sure you have that because the second you get ordained, someone could come up to you and say, Father, will you hear my confession? And yeah. you don't want to oh. say, oh, no, I don't I don't have the meaningful stole that I'm going to give my dad, so I'm not going <laughs> to hear your confession. So there's just so many little things that you're kind of planning through and little errands you're running that The reception and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're worried about that kind of stuff. And so that day... I you would have thought I would be shouting from the hilltops. I'm going to St. Faustina. I'm going to St. Faustina. But it was kind of like, okay, sweet. I'm going to St. Faustina. I mean, I didn't look through the packet. He gives you a packet that uh-huh. has like your agreement between your pastor and your parochial vicar and your pagella, like what your permissions you have as a priest. 
I didn't look through any of that stuff until like I got to St. Faustina. I mean, that's how, what a whirlwind <laughs> everything was that weekend. So the night before you're preparing, you get the you get the note. What what the, what about the day itself? When you wake up in the morning, do you say I'm going to become a priest today? So I didn't sleep well, um, and I wasn't nervous. So before my diaconate, I was very nervous. Um, I was like, man, I hope I don't mess up. I'm first in line for a lot of the movements at the ordination, and I, I was kind of nervous about that. And then I also had scheduled a baptism for right after. So I was very nervous about that, and I was like going to be chanting the blessing of the water, and I kept practicing that. And I was I was preaching for the first time as a deacon that Sunday, so I had so many reasons to be nervous my diaconate. My priesthood, I was not nearly as nervous. Even though I had my first mass coming up, I was very confident in it. We'd rehearsed it. Um, I think we had done that on Thursday. Father Chad was going to be my MC, So I felt good about that. So the reason I didn't sleep well was I was just so excited. So I had set my alarm to get up early and get in the chapel, um, or yeah, in the chapel at St. Mary's, pray a holy hour, and then pray the whole breviary. So priests tell you that. Usually... Ideally, you want to be praying like office readings, morning prayer in the morning, then daytime prayer in the middle of the day, and then evening prayer, and then night prayer. Uh I prayed everything up to evening prayer because people say it's such a whirlwind. The last thing you want is to not pray your breviary Uh on your first day as a priest. (laughs) And so I prayed everything up into evening prayer, was praying rosaries, um, just praying, just in thanksgiving, gratitude. So I had set an alarm to get in the chapel. Didn't need the alarm. I got up way before the alarm was ready to go. Oh, wow. And like funny things happened that morning. Uh, now Father Jacob has a room across the hall from me. Uh-huh. And he, and he has a cord on his cassock and the cord snapped. Like that morning we're like trying to fix it. Oh, wow. And luckily one of the guys from Austin who's super handy was there. He used to work on a nuclear submarine. He was like the nuclear guy on a submarine. And he he has all this stuff in his room, and so he fixed it. And we're like, thank thank God you're here, lad. <laughs> but it's just funny stuff like that's happening. And then Deacon year, we had made the tradition of stopping at Black Walnut Cafe, which is on Memorial, in between the seminary and the cathedral. Uh-huh. Like, let's do that again. So so now Father Luis, Father Jacob, and I all got breakfast there, and it was cool. I actually ate this time, so that was good. <laughs> um, and it's just, you're it's so surreal. You're like, I cannot believe we're going to be ordained today. It is so awesome. What do you remember the most about the ordination itself? So I um, I didn't cry, I don't think, at my diaconate. I was happy, but I was, so, I was just so nervous. I mean, it kind of ruined the whole thing for me. But the good thing is you get a second ordination, ordination yes. of the priesthood. And I was a mess. And I was a, a mess at the, uh, the laying of hands by all the priests. And it was bad. I mean, I heard... I hadn't prepared to be a mess at that point, so I didn't have any tissue or anything. Oh. And I mean, this is so embarrassing and really only the priests know this, so I don't know why I'm admitting this right now uh, to you. I apparently had snot going like this far <laughs> from my nose. Really? Like I was just <laughs> such a mess and I didn't have anything to wipe it on and I was wearing a brand new alb that I had planned to wear for my first mass. Uh-huh. And so, so you I don't think want to wipe like, on. I was like, yeah. do I want to wipe this? I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> I can't see myself. And eventually I did, eventually. But for a while I didn't. And all the priests, Father Dad said, he goes, oh my gosh, I was thinking... I have a baby coming to St. Faustina. He's giving me a hard time. And well, because because somebody said that to him when he was ordained. He was, um, I, I believe it was um, uh, Father Jacob's uncle 
who was his first pastor, mm. said, oh, I got the crybaby now. So well, and he actually has a beautiful story, right? Like yeah. he hadn't cried for all these years since coming from Vietnam. Uh-huh. And he finally cried when he's ordained a priest. You know, I didn't really have any excuses. I was just... So moved. But we couldn't right. see that because, you know, your yes. back is to the congregation. Mm-hmm. Even there weren't even cameras facing that mm-hmm. that way. It was the other way. So, wow. Yeah, I, I got saved by that. But it's so cool. I mean, it, and you're looking at everybody who's who's laying hands on you and all your friends. It's so cool. I've, I'm God has blessed me. I have so many priest friends, you know, uh-huh. guys ahead of me in seminary or guys who were priests when I was in seminary. And it's just like, wow, like I'm... I am among these men now. You know, it's it's funny. And they do that. You'll see them and you go, Father, and they go, Father. You know, it's just really <laughs> cool. And there was just a really overwhelming sense of like, yes, now I am a priest of Jesus High Jesus Christ High Priesthood, mm-hmm. but now I'm also a priest with all these guys in this archdiocese. I think the best time to ask a priest about his opinion of the presbyterate is at his ordination. It's all optimism, really? all high hopes. <laughs> like, I love all these guys. It's great. Now, what about the other guys? Did you notice them getting emotional? You know, uh, Father so Jacob I, or Father Luis? It's so funny. I barely notice them. I mean, during the right, you know, you're uh-huh. First of all, you're conscious of like, you don't want to be turning too much or anything, but then you're just you're thinking so many things, you're praying so many things. And I remember the first time I acknowledged either of them, and side note, I'm sure, I know they were both very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I acknowledged them was when we kind of went back to the chairs that they had reserved to us, and we were getting into the liturgy of the Eucharist. And I remember I shook J- uh, Father Jacob's hand, and I said, we're priests. You know, we both said it together, like, <sighs> we're priests. You know, it was it was like super surreal. You know, we've just been vested. We have our chasubles on. It's like... This is so wild. I, I got to say, I got emotional myself yeah. while I was watching because this was the first time that I had interviewed all three mm-hmm. of the guys who were being ordained. Like the last batch, I interviewed them afterwards. So I'm sitting there with my wife and I'm like, okay, this guy's story is this mm-hmm. and this guy's story is that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I was about, I, I was getting all emotional myself knowing all three of your stories and probably having a bit of an idea what might be going through your head at the time. It's really emotional. Yeah. And I pointed to the part where I got emotional later, but I remember walking in and people noticed this. I mean, I was struggling and it's so funny because I've been at so many weddings serving as an altar server, as a deacon. Uh And that's like the best part, you know, like when the groom's walking down at the beginning, Uh you can tell he's like really nervous, but so excited. But then when the bride comes in, you know, it's just awesome. And I can like hear you, you'll be so close to the groom as a deacon. You can like hear him crying, right? You know, and then uh-huh. you can see the bride looking at him and it's just really beautiful. And it was like, I was thinking like, this is that, you yep. know, I mean, this is, um, and it was, I just processing in and that liturgy and the beautiful choir, it's really kind of overwhelming. And I, I found myself when we were singing the Gloria, like not being able to sing parts of it because I was like about to start crying. Oh, you're getting you know? choked yeah, up. Yeah, you get, like, choked up. And uh, it, it was it was awesome. Now, is there anything that happened behind the scenes? Any funny stories? Because last year, when during the ordination, we had a couple of snafus. We had uh, uh, Father Joseph 
was too busy talking in the back that they had, he held up the entire line. We had Father Houston's leg cramp up a little bit. Um, what about you guys? Did anything happen aside from, you know, aside from that cord, I believe you said? So I just remember that both, so a lot of guys are like, wear knee pads. You're going to be kneeling for forever. <laughs> just do it. And I was like, ah, I trust my adrenaline. I'm fine. I don't need knee pads. So I didn't wear them. And uh, Father Jacob wore them and I think he liked them. Okay. Father Luis wore them and he told me he was in so much pain because his knee, it was like the knee pads were like too tight. Oh. And they were just like wrapping onto his oh, legs, they were just like practically cutting off circulation. He was like, it was so bad. It was like the first thing he Maybe took Maybe he got off. the wrong size yeah, I think perhaps. So, Which that's what's scary. You know, it's like you're committing, <laughs> people are telling you, oh, you really need this. And you're uh -huh. committing to wearing something for two hours that you've never worn. You know, it's like well, you would never play in a basketball game with brand new shoes that you've never worn before. <laughs> you know, you might get horrible blisters. And so I was very glad that I chose not to wear them because I didn't. The adrenaline is just so strong. You know, I mean, I, when you're being ordained, you could run away from Usain Bolt. Like that's the kind of adrenaline <laughs> you have. So Now, after the ordination, there was the reception at St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. Now that was a, a group reception. Is that normally done? So yeah. So it's been weird lately, obviously, because of things in the world. We, But typically the Archdiocese has those big receptions, but I was not prepared. I knew that this was going to be happening, uh -huh. but every, you're given first blessings constantly. I just had no idea how physically exhausted I would be from that. I mean, my muscles hurt from just giving so many blessings and wanting <laughs> to do a good job with everybody, you know? It's kind of exhausting. You're like, all right, who's your patron saint? And you're incorporating them in. And then you want your sign of the cross to be decent every time. And it's, it's just funny. I mean, hours and hours and hours of doing that. You don't really have time to eat. So does your arm get tired from making the sign of the cross over and over again? I think my arm was fine. It was really kind of like my back from like having a good posture oh. for that long and my legs for standing all, I mean, you're just standing for hours and hours because that happens after the ordination, basically for the whole day. Uh -huh. And then the next day when you have your first mass, you have another two hours of line or something at yeah, because people want the, the first blessing. Which is awesome, right? Where was your first mass? My first mass is at St. Lawrence, my home parish, so where I went to school, preschool through eighth grade. Now, I, I watched the first masses of the other guys, but yours I couldn't find online. There was no video of Mine that. Mine will be eternally underground. No one will ever see it. And it was beautiful. There's pictures of it. Um, uh -huh. And then the homily is on St. Lawrence's website, which the homily was the one that really made news. So really? I, asked, I asked for news. I'm really joking. But Father Richard Hinckley preached, and he's, I heard another priest say, he's the best preacher in the archdiocese. I mean, he's brilliant. He's funny. Um, he's just very clever, um, has a really good way of kind of synthesizing the gospel and also incorporating current events. He's really, really impressive. He's the director of spiritual direction at the seminary. Okay. And I, every time I heard him preach at the seminary, I was always like, man, I want this guy to preach my first mass. And I remember one day after he preached a mass, he was actually during mass, he was preaching. And I was thinking, okay, I need to ask him. And in that moment, he referenced the sequence that is sung right before the gospel at Pentecost. He was referencing text from the sequence at Pentecost. And my first mass was Pentecost. All of our first masses mm -hmm. were Pentecost. And I was like, man, that's such a con confirmation. So I 
grabbed him after mass and I said, Father, would you preach my first mass? And he was like, oh, I would be honored. And so he did. And he preached an awesome homily. I mean, he, it was, it was funny. It was sad. It was, it was 29 minutes. So, which was wild because they only have two hours between masses at St. Lawrence. Uh And our mass, because I gave my uh, parents the manitourgium and stole, Mm -hmm. it was like, I, it started at 11 and it was like 1245 and they had a one o'clock mass. Oh, wow. It was, you know, the parking lot is clearing (laughs) five minutes before and that parking lot gets packed. And so it was kind of a mess. I think we brought a lot of stress to Father So what was it about the... About his his homily, so uh, I, I without hate, going too much into it. Yeah, I don't want to. So the way he opened was really funny. He kind of did the the okie doke when he opened. He he says, uh, you know, we um, he opens and he goes like discord, chaos, nation against nation, war, racism, medic medically speaking plague you know he's throwing out all this stuff and everybody's like oh my gosh this is super depressing and he goes would anyone here disagree with my assessment of the first century ad (laughs) and so that whole place is laughing and um and then he just really kind of unpacked you know like why we need the holy spirit you know like what pentecost meant for the world in the first century ad and what it means for us now delved into Trinitarian theology at one point was talking about how the like button has just destroyed Western civilization. (laughs) It was just awesome. Just 29 incredible minutes. My friend after mass goes, that's one of the best podcasts I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So that's available on. Yeah. You can find it on St. Lawrence. On the website of Facebook page or something. Yeah, I think it's on their website which I think is stlawrence.org spelled with a U. And then they have their homilies there. And that mass was June 5th, Pentecost, Father Richard Hinckley. Okay, I'm definitely going to look out yeah, for that one because I thought it was, nothing from that <laughs> mass was available. Yeah, but at least so the, the homily is the there. The homily is there. Now, do you have the option of doing the homily yourself? So you could. Some people do. Um, Father mm. David Michael did. Father Joseph White preached his first mass. So there's just a couple things. Um I think a lot of people want you to, you know, I think a lot of people are upset that I didn't. Um, well, you know, uh, Father Jacob didn't. He said that he was going to get too choked up, so he mm-hmm. let his brother do it. And so there's kind of a tradition um, in the church to ask a priest to preach for you um, for a couple reasons. One, it's just kind of a nod to your presbyterate, um, the priest before you. Mm-hmm. Two, you're very nervous at your first mass. Oh, um, yeah, I can imagine. And it was so nice being, I mean— really like entertained and nourished for 29 minutes before I started the Eucharistic prayer. I was like, okay, like I, I'm, I'm not nervous. Like I would be, you know, I'm, it was, it it provided kind of a nice distraction to just be distracted on this great commentary on, on the gospel and on the words of Christ. And so that was really good. Um, I'm trying to think, I get though, like I've heard people say, I mean, it's the only time you're going to have all those people in front of you. Oh, um, yeah, think, that's right. I think my, one of the other things I said was, I, this is a huge solemnity for the church, Pentecost. Uh-huh. And I said, everybody's going to want me to get up there and talk about myself because mm-hmm. I just got ordained. You know, they're, they're going to be wanting that. And I was like, I think that just does a disservice to like what the church 
is asking of this day of Pentecost. And I knew that Father Richard Hinckley was going to unpack this mystery way more than I could. Uh-huh. And then I also knew it was going to be quite the gift to all the priests who they don't hear a lot of people preach. And, you know, they they hear themselves most of the time. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know what? I think the priests are really going to appreciate when Father Richard Hinckley's up there preaching. And they all did. They were, they were laughing the whole time and engaged the whole time. Your family... What were they like during the, you know, the ordination and your first mass? Did did they get emotional? I think, um, I think so. It's funny. My, I mean, my dad's very stoic. Um, and then honestly, my, both my parents are pretty stoic. I mean, they're, they're just super amped. I mean, my twin brother, Kevin was super excited. Um, he, and he had, it's funny. This is so funny. I'm going to mention this on this podcast. So last time I met with you, he, I guess he hadn't watched it. I didn't tell him about that. I'm weird with my family. And I'm like, come oh. watch my interview. So, so you didn't tell anyone. So he hadn't watched this. I think okay. my mom did. And uh, I mentioned, you were asking me about him and you said something like, oh, well, is he dating? And I said, no. And I said, but if he dates, he's, or we know like his girlfriend's going to be really solid Catholic. Uh-huh. I said something like that. Like it's the way he is. Like he has high expectations. And it's so funny. His girlfriend came into the church at the Easter Vigil. He met her when she was in, on the process, but she was the one who stumbled on my interview <laughs> and saw me saying that. Uh-huh. And then she sent it to him and was like, "Oh my gosh, how cool is this?" And I was like, "So I think I won some points there for uh, for predicting that she would be awesome, and she is." So, so she was at the ordination. So he was really excited for her, like brand new Catholic. I mean, she's just coming to the church at Easter. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. And so she's kind of seeing this whole new priest thing, and it was cool. Usually when we see a first mass of a priest, when they give their parents the stole and the mandatorium, you know, that, that tradition, usually the priest gets a little emotional. Was it like that oh, for yeah. you? Oh yeah. I got, I got very choked up. People, which I think people are surprised. I don't do that often. And I just, I do the thing. It's funny. You've seen me already in a homily here do that. I just had that where I couldn't really talk. You know, I just had to just stop. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I am so grateful for them. Um, you know, I've always, I always think about when I hear priests and people word it differently. Some people have more of a script. I just trusted myself to go off it. But, um, you know, my mom has done so much for me and like really made it so possible for me to have this vocation. And then the words for your dad with the stole, you know, it's really about God. Like first he has to teach you justice and then he has to teach you mercy. Like, there is no mercy without justice. And as a confessor, like there's a really, there's a need to have an understanding of that. And so I was just very, in a very real way, you know, thinking about that, you know, my dad has done so good to teach us kind of what is right um, our whole lives, but he's also been like very merciful and very soft. And so I was just kind of thinking like, it's so awesome that I was given a dad who I can give this stole to. And I'm just telling the truth right now. You know, that was very emotional. I mean, I I watched Father Jacob's first mass. Mm -hmm. He got really emotional. Um, Father Luis, when he, uh, his his mass in Mexico, I saw that online. Oh boy, with his grandparents. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, wow. That re- very very emotional. Yeah. I can imagine. What did it feel like the first time with the Eucharist? 
just incredibly surreal. Um, I was, I thought I was going to be a lot more nervous because I was chanting that part of the Eucharistic prayer. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if I'm just crashing and burning? Like the first time I sang the responsorial psalm at the seminary or something. You don't want to invalidate the yeah, mass or right? something like that. I know. So you're kind of worried. And man, it was such a grace. I mean, really, I remember I was like, man. I have like no pressure in my chest like that you have when you're nervous sometimes. Really? Or, I mean, wow. it was just like super clear. And I couldn't believe how well I was able to pray in that moment. And it is. I mean, it is so surreal. You're like, wow, okay, it's Jesus now. You know, and I, it's really just unreal. Because um, you were talking about being able to do that yes. during our, our last interview. Mm-hmm. You were saying, I can't believe I'm going to be able to d- – to 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 be there when this happens, yeah, it's, it's it w- it was super humbling. Um, and then the same went for confessions. I mean, the first confession I heard without getting in too many de- too much detail, obviously. But I remember being like, "Wow, I guess this is w- like kind of like what was <laughs> happening." I was like, "Wow, like this person's being absolved from their sins by from their sins by me." And it's funny. I had a friend who gave me a card that has the English words of absolution and the Spanish words mm. back to back. It fits in my wallet. And there great. you go. Yeah. And for that one, I was like, I'm so nervous. I do not want to botch this <laughs> and invalidate. And, and then a, a little bit later on, I think I hit, I think the first time I didn't use the card was when I heard a confession of a priest. And I basically said, hey, can you let me try to uh-huh. just say these words and then just tell me if they're wrong? You know, is that kind of, and I got them right for the record. Do you choose who the first confession will be? So I didn't, um, which I almost regretted because, well, a lot of times people will ask you or it'll come up, people okay, will mm-hmm. say, can you be my first confession? And you basically say yes, unless somebody cuts you at my ordination. I'm not going to say no to them. They have a right to the sacrament. Uh-huh. Uh, I did not, and I oh, I started to regret it because it was getting like kind of late in the Saturday, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, am I gonna have to like reach out to somebody or like send a group text to my <laughs> my friends?" Like, but then naturally, you know, someone asked, and I said, "Oh, absolutely." So it wasn't somebody you chose ahead of time. No, no. no. okay. Yeah, but I almost like that. I almost, I, but it was a risk, like I said, but I almost liked yeah. that it was organic. You know, it was mm. like somebody who wanted to go to confession. And, and, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I heard a confession so I could give you this stole, which it is like that. But it was like, no, somebody as a priest asked me if I could hear their confession and absolve their sins. And here's the stole from doing that. So it almost made it more special. But it was, de- there was a point where I was like, wow, this was risky. Now you have a break in between, a, it's, a, it's like a month break mm-hmm. in between your ordination and when you have to report mm-hmm. to the parish. What did you do during that time? So I'm a crazy person. So I, that first week, um, I committed to a couple things. I, I did uh, a Sunday mass for like a group of principals at a Catholic school. It was actually a Saturday evening mass. And then you do your mass at Thanksgivings on the weekend. So that's pretty tied up. I went back to Sacred Heart and Conroe that first weekend where I was a deacon. Went back to St. Bartholomew that second weekend. But my second week was the craziest. So that first week, I didn't do a whole lot. I, I 
said mass in a few places. I went to St. Faustina actually on Monday. Yes. I should mention that. That was surreal. And of course, a bunch of St. Uh, Faustina parishioners gave me this amazing Marian chasuble, and it was Feast of Mary, Mother of the Church. So I wore it on Monday at St. Faustina. That's the one in the video. Yes. Yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> and, and that was Father David Michael had asked me to cover for him. He was originally going to be on vacation. And it was super providential because he canceled the vacation, and he was like, you should still come here. And then I was assigned here, and he was like, oh, awesome, we'll can celebrate. And then we had planned to film the video that day, so it just worked perfectly. So that was that Monday. I did a couple other things that week. The next weekend, I had to go to uh, my classmates. I got to go to my classmates' ordination, um, Father Fernando for the Diocese of Austin. And I just kind of messed up and scheduled that mass for the principals on Saturday evening. So I, like, drove to Austin, drove right back, did that mass, and then the next day had the two masses at Sacred Heart, one in English, one in Spanish. And so that was a pretty crazy weekend. (laughs) And then the next week, I left and went to Honduras. Um, So I— with a group called the Missionaries of Christ. They're awesome. So I'd been there last summer as a deacon for about a month. And we have a few seminarians down there right now. So I basically said Mass of Thanksgiving there at their complex and then in some of the small towns in the area, uh, heard confessions, which, man, Spanish confessions are already a little bit of a challenge. You try going to like the country parts, small villages of Honduras, you know. I was like, it was kind of humbling. I was like, wow, is my Spanish worse than I thought it was? But (laughs) I was talking to another priest and he was like, bro, if you go to some backwater parts of the U.S., you won't understand the English. (laughs) You need to realize that. And I said, that's a good point. Um, So I did that, um, came back. And then the very next week, I went um, with St. Elizabeth and St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish mm-hmm. uh, with Father Chad Chad Henry, and then Keenan Nikiatico, who you've also had. Both of those guys you've had. Yes, um, Keenan's assigned there for the summer. We went to Covecrest in Georgia, so they had a rare situation where they brought two priests and a seminarian with their forty kids. Wow! And it was awesome. Everything but the bus ride. It was like a twenty-hour bus ride to Georgia. Yeah. We had to sleep on the bus. Wow. It was overnight. We were on the bus. It was awful. It was very (laughs) uncomfortable, Um, but just awesome. So like every morning at the camp, they had the priest hearing confessions. Uh They call it the hour of mercy. Um, You know, we're celebrating mass, just hanging out with the kids, having, they have so much one-on-one time with us. Um, It was really cool to like see kids who are kind of having like these big like reversions, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. they were, they were Catholic. Actually, one of them wasn't. He wants to enter the church now. And it was just like awesome. I was like, man, this is what Jesus wanted two by two. And heck, let's send three. Let's go ahead and send three. And <laughs> no, Keenan was awesome. So wow. That, was great- you, that is a really busy time right before, yes. you know, reporting to the parish. Yeah. And then I guess like the next week I went, so I got back, went home for a couple of days uh-huh. and then I came back here, met with father dad on Tuesday. Um, after, so, yeah, I went home, celebrated an evening Sunday Mass for my family, stayed there Monday, Tuesday, drove back, said a Mass for the John Paul II Foundation. That afternoon, I met with Father Dad, and he goes, hey, um, first of all, I'm not going to be here on Thursday. Is there any chance you can take the two Masses? Totally cool if you can't. And I was like, of course I can. I'm a uh-huh. new priest. I'm full of zeal. Absolutely. And then he explains to me that he is not going to be here for like nine days. He's like, hey, like I need to, I have this family reunion. It's the first time my family's coming together since uh, 
literally since the war in Vietnam. Like they're having this huge family reunion with his parents. And they're on a cruise, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it was, so I, and he was like, I, I did, I was like, I should, should I cancel this? I talked to the Cardinal. He said, no. So this whole thing. So he goes, so yeah, if you can just hold down the parish. Oh, by the way, the first weekend you're going to be alone. And they, thank God, Father Houston came, covered some masses for us. But then the second weekend on Saturday, we had two <laughs> confirmations and the Cardinal came. So And the special needs mass too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a wild Saturday. I said, man, was Father David Michael not doing me any favors with this schedule? Did he just not look at all? No, it, it was great. Did I mean, it feel like, like you're getting thrown into the deep end? Oh, absolutely. For the first couple of weeks? Uh, it absolutely, but it's awesome, right? Like it was such a good feeling to get to a parish and have someone coming. Cause you, I've heard and kind of been warned by some priests, like sometimes you get to the parish and it's the summer, it's a little slower uh-huh. and you're kind of like, man, like what am I supposed to be doing? You know, people don't know to have appointments with you. You don't have this huge schedule. Uh-huh. And it was kind of different for me. It was like, oh my gosh, usually we have two priests for this confession time. It's just me. Uh- Goes three and a half hours. I mean, there was a lot of stuff where I was like, wow. At least he had Father Houston coming in. Yeah, so every time he came in, I said, thank you so much for being here, Father Houston. I mean, I I said it at the Mass that uh, when I, because I preached that Mass, I said, thank you to Father Houston who had an easy weekend this week. He had one Mass on Sunday. (laughs) And then he's like, I'm going to do two more at St. Faustina. So props to Father Houston. Now that Saturday was really busy. Yeah, you had the two... The two masses, I believe there was a baptismal as well that Saturday, and then the special needs so mass. So that was, the first thing we had was a confirmation, so which started at 9.30. So I, I was obviously here kind of early, making yes. sure everything went out. So I got up early, prayed, came here, um, and kind of talking to people before the Cardinal got here at 9. And he gets here, we have that first confirmation, and then we have lunch with the Cardinal, which... It's a little bit stressful. You know, you're like, man, this is like the boss, you know, you're having. But it was great. He was awesome. He was make, He was kind of giving Father Dad a hard time and saying how he was going to tease him. And I think he did at the personal did meeting he? this week. And uh, and then we had another confirmation after that. Well, usually on Saturday, we have confessions from three to five. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the confirmation, the second one ends at 3.15. And so I just go right in to the confessional. And I remember I was having a headache. I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't had any coffee today. I blew it. Like, oh. I, was, I was so nervous. I didn't, I messed up my morning routine, yeah. didn't drink any coffee. And I was starting to feel the headache come on. So I talked to one of our seminarians who's here, John Paul. And I said, hey, which one? You'll never know. Uh, <laughs> and I know John Paul Phillips. And I said, hey, can you go grab me a coffee? And so he like cuts in line in the confessional, brings in my coffee, uh-huh. comes out. And I said, oh, thank God. And those confessions went until about 5.45. So I had a little bit of time in between that and the special needs mass. To, it wow. was wild. Now, are there a lot of special needs masses in uh, the parishes? In I've never heard of it. Um, but I I picked it up pretty quickly what it was um, because I mentioned this at the mass. I mm-hmm. For years, so for my senior service, we have to get a lot of hours at Straight Jesuit. So a lot of times people work at camps. And I worked at a camp called Camp Champions in Burton, Texas, which mm-hmm. is hosted at Camp for All in Burton, Texas. And it's a week for adults with special needs. Um, and many, many of them are very, like, I mean, very, very, very autistic. You know, like 
to the point where they do not like interacting with people, yes. like auditory, visual, yeah. a light. lot of stemming. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I, I was very familiar um, with that. And you know, I mean, one of the things about Camp Champions is you spend half the time not doing activities with some of the cameras because it's just too much. It's just yeah, too they get overwhelming. overwhelming for yeah. Them. And so when I got here and they explained that to me, I was like, oh, that, I'm not surprised at all that they have something like that, you know, because it is so, I mean, it's so much more quiet. They're with their family. Yes. The space is smaller. There's less music. Um, the, the lights are a little dimmer. Dimmer. Yeah, very dim. The The priest is going to preach shorter. He guarantees it. Um, and it, it was awesome. It was a really good experience. But yeah, it was it was funny. I said, I did laugh after. I was like, man, we need to shorten the petitions. So, like, that was the <laughs> longest part of the whole mass. I was like, man, I'll, I'll throw out four from just my head that will uh-huh. be shorter than the ones we wrote and inserted <laughs> into that mass. But that was a great opportunity. You did mention earlier that you got choked up. And yeah. I, I'll tell you, my wife and I, during that mass, we, we all got choked up, you know, and and you know, the musicians too, they were like, oh my gosh, that was great. Oh, what a fantastic homily really, you know, hit the nail on the head when it came to talking to the, you know, the families of people with special needs. One of them came up to me after mass and said, um, uh, during one of the masses and said, you know, this is the first time we've been able to go to mass together as a family because, you know, they're just so, you know, afraid of Mm -hmm. disturbing the mass. So I'm glad that uh, hopefully this will catch on. Yeah, and it was it was a cool feeling. You know, you have that quick reaction when there's a loud noise to be like, "What's going on?" And yes. I remember in the mass at one point, at one point, there was a very loud noise and thinking, "Sweet," you know, it's like no, <laughs> no one's stressed about this. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to worry about this at all. Nothing's going to happen. There's What's no, that? Yeah. Who's that making noise? You know, yeah, what is no, that? No, it was it was really nice. <laughs> yeah. Everybody expected it. Yes, exactly. It, it, people were kind of like, oh, I'm, we're glad that happened. You know, it's like, like we made this mass for that. So, yeah, scheduled this mass for that. Yeah. Now that Father Dad is back, you mentioned during your previous interview, you said, I believe your words were not every pastor's Father Dad. You're expecting, you know, because having to live with the pastor and getting used to the pastor, is it what you expected he it would is, be like? Yeah, I mean, it's... He's awesome. Um, it's funny. He's been so busy even though, even since he got back though. I mean, he came back Sunday night, took the 430 mass, t- gets the hospital phone. And of course he gets a call. I didn't have a call all week. God <laughs> oh, protected no. me. I didn't have a sing- I had a couple of scheduled through the office, but no emergency phone calls. Uh-huh. He gets that thing in his hand and gets one immediately. And then the next day, Monday is supposed to be his day off. Uh-huh. He had a meeting in the chancery and then he had Cafe Catholica. He was the speaker. Yes. I mean, so he's just all over the place, but he's awesome. I mean, we still haven't, I'm sitting here right now. We have our meeting on the schedule for tomorrow of like going over all the basics. I'm sure I've messed up everything so far, you know. Here's what you should have done. Yeah, there's already many fires probably of things I'm not tracking that I'm supposed to be tracking, but it's been, uh, it's been awesome to have him here. And our house is so fun right now. We have two seminarians. We have two seminarians, the mm-hmm. two John Pauls, and then you, fresh out of the seminary, while he was gone, was 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 it like the seminary? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny. In the, <laughs> In the house. <laughs> all of us have kind of the personalities where we really like to just troll on each other. We're always giving each other hard times. Uh-huh. And so it's been real. It's been funny. I mean, I and I 
you know, they kind of were like that with Father David Michael before he left. They were hanging around with him uh-huh. a lot. And so I've just been joking. Like yesterday they had me, they were like, there's this really good smoothie place we should go to. And it was like super expensive. It was great though. And so I, bu- I buy them smoothies. And I was like, man, Father David Michael really did me dirty by giving you guys like this expectation to spend $40 on smoothies, like in between lunch and dinner. I, he was laughing. And I actually had him on speakerphone. He didn't know they were there because I drove separately because they had a dinner that they were uh-huh. going to after. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I, I really set you up for failure with the whole smoothies. And they could hear him saying that. So that was pretty funny. We did say earlier that you're a good fit here at St. Faustina. What about the pranks? Are you looking forward to them I'm pranking not, you? I'm 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 gonna be honest. I'm not at all. I might I might be establishing some rules in the office. I'll say this. My parents don't own my don't have my spare car key. So okay. I know that my car will never get taken. So that's a good sign. Um we'll see. We'll we'll see what happens with that. I have heard that they tried to prank you in the past. Yes. Did that happen? So one time they did like a really soft prank when I was at St. Bartholomew. Okay. Um, where they like put some pictures of me on my car and stuff. And it was funny because uh, there was a running car in the parking lot. Okay. And that, I just, it kind of got my attention when I was walking across from the rectory to the church. And I remember I looked over and I just saw Daniela just duck her head down. <laughs> And I was like, I'm just going to let this be. I'm just going to let her have this and just be nice, you know. And so I came back and I was like, oh, that's all they did. Like they'd put a couple stickers and put, uh-huh. it was like not anything. And then for another, I guess for my birthday, um, and, and I know, I mean, I just, I'm like, okay, we'll see, you know. So for my birthday, it was around New Year's. I guess it was kind of a combination thing because my birthday is January 5th. You can send me mail. I'm just kidding. Uh, so uh, for my birthday, I go into a New Year's party with the Katie Young adults. And they, I, I get to the house. I knock on the door. Nobody answers. I ring the doorbell. Nobody answers. Uh-huh. Well, they had planned. They had cut out all these like, like miniature heads of me that they were going to, everybody was going to wear like on sticks. <laughs> and those, those showed up again at the basketball game. But they just like totally blew it. They're like chatting away when I show up to the house. So oh. no one's there. So I was like, well, what the heck is going on here? And I'm just trying to get into this New Year's party. And so then I walk around to the back of the house. And it was uh-huh. funny because they really didn't want me to do that. So they had locked the gate. So I jumped the fence <laughs> to get in. The, and so I walk into the backyard and there's like people who don't even know who I am. With it. It's a huge social. Uh-huh. And they're just So the, all the Katie Young adults people. Yes, exactly. Okay. And they're sitting there with these sticks of me in their hand. They go, oh my gosh, this, this is you. <laughs> like, like them realizing it's over. Like you're already here and we didn't do it. They blew so, the surprise. It was pretty great. No wonder. Yeah, I, I did mention to D- Danielle and Caroline about, so when are we going to start pranking? <laughs> Father Christopher, and they were like, "He's hard to prank." I'm so that's hard, what and I don't think about. I take it as well. Like, I, I, I don't know if the video footage of me reacting to the prank is going to be like okay to air. <laughs> it's tough to top that that teddy bear with Father David Michael. That oh, was, that was crazy. That was an epic prank there. The, that was. The, the, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Yeah, we'll see. And that's the other thing. My office is already much nicer than it is. So if 
Father David Michael, one of the mistakes he made was he just had a blank canvas in his office. Mm. You know, they could put sticky notes over it. He didn't have anything in there. They could put teddy bears and stuffed animals everywhere. So he didn't decorate. Where my office, I've already had people be like, wow, wow, this is nice. This is comfortable. I think maybe <laughs> Father David Michael learned. Maybe he had more experience than me. And he was like, you'll have less people wanting to meet with you about nothing if your office is not pleasant <laughs> to be at. They only come if they really need to meet with a priest. <laughs> now, looking ahead, I know we're going to look a little too far ahead. So usually your tenure at a parish for your, your first parish is about three years. Mm-hmm. And one of our recent guests, Father Richard McNeely, he's the vocation director. He's in his fourth year and he said he's got about three years left. Did anybody talk to you about you being one of the front runners to possibly replace him? So I watched his interview and he didn't mention me. So that was pretty messed up. But no, uh, <laughs> no I, we'll see. Um, we'll see. That's a tough job. It's a tough job. And I think unfortunately, because it has so much, you're going to be weak. At, at a certain part of the job because a vocation director, a lot of people don't realize they're not your formator. You have formators at the seminary. Okay. But the two main things they do are they recruit and bring guys in and get them to apply to seminary. Okay. Um, which a lot of times they're not starting from scratch, right? Guys have had moments in prayer or moments with other priests and then they get redirected to them. They're kind mm-hmm. of the closer. The game, hopefully you've already got a big lead when, when the closer comes in. So that's one side of the job. And then they do a lot of like events and, you know, there's a lot of fundraising and that kind of side. But then the other side is they're kind of in charge of the seminarians when the seminary doesn't have them. So like during the summer, they work out summer assignments and they just kind of keep their seminarians happy. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. It's and Father Richard has been amazing at that. I mean, he has been incredible at that. I I remember that was when I first started to really get to know him. Was I there were some frustrating things going on in seminary, and I felt like I wasn't really being heard. And then I remember I felt extremely heard from him. I mean, and he was really kind of an advocate for some of the issues I was having at the time. And we've always been very close since then. But those are two very different skill sets. Yes, and. When you have those skill sets, you're taking care of your seminarians, kind of being their agent. That's what I kind of compare it to because you really are on their side for the most part. Now, you're also on the church's side. I mean, if you start to see some things that aren't good, you can make the call and get the guy out, you know, just like an agent can say, this this athlete's too much work. You know, I, <laughs> I can only cover up for Swaggy P for so long. So, <laughs> the the so Father Richard does a very good job with both those things. I think I would do very well on the seminarian side. Okay. I think I'm definitely always been an advocate for seminarians. Um, it's But it's hard. That other side is hard. The recruiting it's side. It's very abstract. Yeah. And I think the best way to recruit is to be an awesome priest in the parish. And it's very hard in this weird situation where you don't have a parish home to like sell people on, and he has to get creative. I mean, he'll do, he'll spend a day with Father Nicholas Ramirez at St. Francis Cabrini with some prospective seminarians Uh because he feels like that gives a better experience of what it's going to be like. Um, But it's, it's a hard job. And for me, it would be very hard not to be able to go over to families' houses, you know, and to be during the most important times of the year, so that's liturgical season, you're a nomad. You know, where mm. do you go for Christmas? Where do you go for Easter? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because yeah, you don't weird. have a parish. Yes. And even if you go somewhere, you're just an add-on. 
that's hard. You know, we didn't become priests for that. It's so being a vocation director is challenging. I think some of my talents, I would be good. I do, I do think I would, I should I say this? I, I, I've heard people, other priests have told me, friends have been like, man, it'd be interesting for you to be on the admissions process for seminarians. They think we'd have less seminarians probably, <laughs> but I might be a little bit too tough. What are your plans for your time here at St. Faustina? Oh, I have no, I have no idea right now. I mean, I, it's so awesome. It's really so great. Sometimes as a priest, when you're in seminary, you think about what you're going to do as a pastor. And a lot of times like parishes are kind of like dead. I know that sounds bad, but you know, you get to a place and they've, maybe they've had some issues there and they're in debt and people aren't coming like they used to. And there might've been some scandal and that's the reason you're there now. And so you kind of think of like these lens of like getting to a place and like having to put out some fires and then also inspire people mm-hmm. to return. I'll try to reinvigorate a parish. Okay. That don't have to do that here. Um, so <laughs> in a lot of ways, I really think here I'm going to be, um, I tried and like, we've already had meetings and I, you know, I try to say like, what about this? What about this? But Man, I mean, it's amazing what Father Dad has done here. And I think he's been here for eight years total, technically. I mean, since he was in a house. Yes. <laughs> celebrating Mass in a house, like probably illegally. Uh, it's just been incredible what he's done. I mean, and how this place is building. I mean, there's going to be a church in a, in a few years, probably. I mean, it's just like moving so quickly and there's so many parishioners and he has been able to respond to an area of Houston that's just blowing up with mm-hmm. new families and they want to come here and they feel like this is their home. And so I'm going to, I'm watching, I'm just watching, taking it in. Hopefully we'll have that big church while you're still here. I'd, I'm going to predict, no, I'm going to predict I'm going to be here for the headache. I bet I'll be here <laughs> when they start building it <laughs> and I'll leave right before it's finished or something like that. We'll see. Well, thank you so much for coming in on the show again and, you know, letting us catch up with you. It's we, great to be here. We wish you all the best for your time here at St. Faustina. We look forward for everything that uh, that's coming. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.